What's going on? This is Kevin Ross, and you are now tuned in to my girl Hillary and my guy Eddie, the cast of R&B. Here we are for another episode of the cast of R&B with Hillary and Eddie. My good friend, Mr. Kevin Ross, is here. Yo, yo, what's going on, man? And I begged him to come and stop by. He graciously <laughs> put me in his, his schedule while he's on promo for his uh, wonderful new project, Audacity. I don't think that's how that went, but yeah, <laughs> something like that. Don't worry, I'm going to edit that yeah, part you know out. We're going to go with somehow. the narrative that I go with. <laughs> <laughs> what's good my brother i can't complain man god is good man just like all you said, the time working working audacity volume one thing called love all that man yeah that's wonderful so before we get into the to the album and some other things yeah i googled you i wanted to get some other talking points yeah do you realize there's a kickboxer named kevin ross it's a kickboxer, it's a football player, it's a judge. <laughs> but let it be known, we all out here winning. Kevin Ross, the brand, the name. The brand is popping, but the funny part is the <laughs> the funny part of the kickboxer is his nickname is the Soul Assassin. <laughs> I know. So you Listen, gotta we, put some like we Kevin Ross before. the, the R M B. Oh, you've actually spoken to <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, we spoke before. Did you tell him I need that you need to come up with that moniker, fam? <laughs> I told him, I was like, man, we need to do some cross-branding for sure. <laughs> the like, soul it'd be crazy. <laughs> so you got to come up with a with a moniker like the R&B killer. Yeah, exactly. Make him envious. Make this, him jealous. This, the, soul, the soul assassin. <laughs> you know, that was crazy. So you're in town. You took the train up from Philly. Yeah. Um, did people have masks and stuff on? They trying to avoid this coronavirus? Nah, it wasn't as crazy. Like now, when I was coming from, what was I coming from? I think I was coming from either Atlanta or Vegas or something like that. And like people was bugging out there. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. as far as like at the airport, but like on the train, I don't think. Listen, I don't think I was tripping about it. Well, I need to get, I'm actually, my, my mask is on back order right now. <laughs> I, you know, I need to have the, you know, the fashion forward mask. Yeah. So. I'm gonna call Virgil. Like, yo, let me get that off-white mask with the zip tie. Listen, you go have that shit bedazzled out. <laughs> <laughs> yo, it's it's uh it's uh it's serious out here. Um, all right. So for the sake of introduction, and if people don't know who Kevin Ross is yeah. for whatever reason, if they've been living under a rock for the last you know six years, which is a lot of people, which is a lot of people, absolutely. Tell them who Kevin Ross is. Well, my name is Kevin Ross. I'm from Washington, D.C., R&B singer, songwriter, producer, arranger, so on and so forth. Um, let me see. I have credits with uh, artists like Jamie Foxx, Trey Songz, Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, Ty Dolla Sign, Tony Braxton, Tank, SWV, Johnny Gill, Blasey, 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 the list goes on. That's just me as a writer and producer. Now, as an artist, I was signed um, to a major label a couple years back by the name of Motown. Shout out to Motown. Um, we had a record to come out called The Awakening, which produced a number one single on adult R&B, which was called Long Song Away. I asked for my release. I started my own company, Art Society Music Group, partnering with um, Empire Distribution. And here we are. I'm the artist that is his own boss, who has a top 20 record at radio, Thing Called Love, and Audacity Volume 1 is out. Well, uh, that was Kevin Ross. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> I mean, you just... I was just talking about like the light intro. You gave him the whole full. Yeah, yeah, my mantra. bad. My bad. No, I'm, pra I'm practicing an elevator pitch. You no. know what I'm saying? And you, and, you, and you did it well. You did it well. 
So DC, yeah, DMV, yeah, uh, home of the world champion Washington Nationals. <laughs> yeah, your sports guy or no? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Nationals, home yeah. of the um, Washington Wizards. Listen, man, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they're closer to to winning than the Redskins, but you know, I got oh, love for all of them. I exactly. forgot about damn. God, them skins. So yeah. you're a Redskins fan or a Dallas Cowboys fan? Man, I'm a Skins fan by default. My father's a Skins fan, so that's that's I'm Skins all the way. But a lot of people that live in DC are Cowboys fans. But they Bama, so that you know, that don't need to be <laughs> that don't need to be discussed. <laughs> I'm burgundy and gold, baby, all day long. <laughs> well, listen, there's no there's no other way to go up. You got a new head coach in Ron Rivera, ex yeah. ex uh, Chicago Bears player. Yeah. Um, you have Dwayne Haskins, yeah. but there's talk about getting another quarterback. So we have listen, we have a ways to go. I think that um, you know, we have good skeleton, we have a good structure. You have um, Daniel Schneider, <laughs> Daniel Schneider. <laughs> this is basically the, the big, equivalent the of big James balls. Dolan. <laughs> the big balls. Um, you know, I think that um, you know, it, it, it's gonna take a couple years. It's gonna take a couple years, but it's it's all good. Okay. Good. What about the Wizards? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you still got Bradley Bill. You still yeah. got John Wall, though he hasn't played in like. Yeah, listen. As long as they're healthy, years. you know what I mean. I think that uh, there's always that disclaimer. As long as they're healthy, exactly. But you know, listen, we got we, listen. We got a championship with the Nationals. That's that's all I can speak for. Champions. Listen, that's that's all that's all you can ask for, I guess. At exactly. Because the other two are a little <laughs> further away. For um, sure. Speaking speaking of basketball, I don't know why this just came to my mind. Mm -hmm. Um. Did you watch the uh, or just kind of thoughts on the whole Kobe? Man, I didn't watch the it, funeral because it happened at. Were you in L.A.? At I the was Grammys? in L.A. I was in L.A. as well. Yeah, that it was sad, bro. Like I remember waking up that day and it was super gray. It was like not even gray. It was just like white. Mm -hmm. And so um, it just felt like a really like weird day. And then like maybe an hour, two hours, like after I got up, I started getting texts like, "Yo." Kobe died, Kobe passed, and I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on? Turn on the news, and they're all getting reports in, and I mean, you know, it, it puts life into perspective. You just never know. 41, 42 years old, you know, his daughter was with him, you know, other families, um, lives were lost, and um, you just don't know, you know? So I think his life was a prime example of like living life to the fullest, um, really mastering your craft, and allowing for your craft to like transcend, you know, across language, across countries, across races and creeds. And I think that that's what Kobe represented is just excellence. Yeah, listen, I was I was in LA, I was waiting for a table at a restaurant. Yeah. It was like around whatever, 10 a.m. And somebody sent me a text, RIP Kobe. And I was like, what are they talking about? Yeah. And then this woman sitting next to me who's on her phone said oh my god kobe died hmm. and of course i'm not thinking kobe kobe like, right who? and then another person said it but the, the next person that said it started crying mm. like profusely crying yeah and so you know everyone obviously we go straight to our phone and yeah and uh you know the information wasn't coming up at first and obviously we you know kind of know what happened from there but yeah you know and then actually going to the grammys that night it was a very I didn't even actually go in. I was, you know, backstage the yeah. whole time. But even being in the Staples Center and walking down the halls in, yeah. the, in the back and seeing, you know, him with the championships and the, the pictures, and yeah. it was like, it was a really weird, weird um, mood and just vibe and yeah. in the Staples Center that night. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I do 
agree with you in terms of you know essentially living your best life yeah for sure <laughs> right for and, sure and, and and living every moment to its fullest um and you know your your art or your gift or whatever that is yeah. you know making sure that the world you know receives that yeah um so your new gift yeah audacity audacity the gift to the world audacity talk to me, talk to me about your first independent Sheesh. project i mean this is my proudest project you know what i mean i think because you know less less cooks in the kitchen mm -hmm. of course you know what i'm saying i had the freedom to really like break the restraints and the the, the confines of um you know what i think people would usually expect sonically from me i wanted to come with a different sound of course giving homage to like you know the aunties and the uncles with the old school thing called love throwback mm -hmm. but other than that the project is really progressive it's really forward and it really kind of breaks the box of me uh being put into a more like traditional r&b artist you know what the I mean? urban ac box the urban ac box you know i, I just want to prove the point that i can do everything like my my ability is limitless you know what i mean mm -hmm. like so i just wanted to kind of at least sow that seed and then you know just kind of go from there and continue to prove the point it's funny that you say that because you there's only what six songs in the intro yeah on there right yeah mm -hmm. and i think that at least when I listen to it, mm -hmm. I, I'm able to get different sides of you. You know, you yeah. have the more traditional R&B, you have the more progressive R&B. Mm -hmm. But the irony is that it's only one producer, yeah. Jay Kitts. Yeah, Jay Kitts. My guy, Jay Kitts. Jay Kitts. Yeah. Um, but it, it's there's a consistency throughout it, but yeah. it's different at the same time. Absolutely. How do you feel about about that? I mean, I think that was, like, the, the intention of it is just making sure that everyone understood like the the wide array of like potential that I had as an artist, but then also showcasing Jay Kitt's amazing ability, um, and his genius level talent as a producer as well, and really um, you know kind of taking like it's like a quilt, you know, you take like different patches that are like completely different, and then sewing them together to make this uh, cohesive piece of art mm -hmm. that um, separately you wouldn't expect none of these pieces to be on the same project so you know giving people a vibe but just in my own way it uh on the intro you say sometimes you have to lose a lot to gain a lot yeah and what's important is freedom mm -hmm. i may have thrown that off a little bit <laughs> i interpret that one way but i yeah. want you to tell me what it actually is and i'm gonna tell you how i interpreted it mm. um losing a lot to gain a lot i mean i think me asking for my release from my label um, you know, letting go of fear, you know, I had to really like take a leap of faith because it wasn't really like normal protocol for someone that came off the heels of like a semi-successful run as far as for their, their project mm -hmm. or for a single to ask for their release. They would literally try to re-up or, you know, come back as fast as they could. And for me, it was like, take the leap of faith you know and I knew that I was going to lose a lot of momentum I was going to lose a lot of um, champions um, in a sense that like making this action was the best decision for me mm -hmm. and not for everyone else that might have been involved and so um, you know I felt like I lost that but I gained so much within my independence within my freedom um, within establishing my own business and becoming a budding businessman because eventually like you have to come to a crossroads where whether, um, you know, you're going to kind of go with the flow of a major label and 
do you know play that game which there's nothing wrong with or you know take matters into your own hands and um you know learn as you go along mm -hmm. so well that's how i interpreted it as well yeah i actually should have started where i, I said it <laughs> and then you that would look like a genius now i'm just looking like yeah i knew that too we're gonna edit that out I, 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 yeah i didn't play that one the right way but i but i did actually interpret it you know that way because the reality is a lot of artists at some point come to that crossroad, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of crossroad and speaking of DMV and speaking of uh, other artists, I was having the same conversation with Raheem, yeah. Devon, about that moment where he basically had to say, like, look, I'm gonna, you know, I wanna get off of, at the time it was Jive. Jive yeah, literally yeah. had the same the same conversation. So, yeah. but yeah, that's how I, uh, how I interpreted it. So what's the biggest, um, or most valuable lesson that you think that you learned being signed to Motown? Wow. Um, the biggest lesson that I learned is, you know, the power of worth, like understanding like your value as an artist, but most importantly as of as your brand. Mm -hmm. You know, know what your brand is and if you don't know, don't be afraid to discover it. Um, and then actually master it, fine tune it. Um, and then it comes to a point where you have to reinvent the brand as well. So that's one of the most important things that I learned is just understanding your worth, know your worth. Do you feel that while you were there, um, you were marketed and promoted the way that you wanted to? Or was it more of the label or was there a combination of both? Uh, it was a combination of both because I had no idea of what. I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a business sensibility. I didn't know, you know, what was going to be the next step because everything felt new to me. Um, and I'm not here to, to to bash any company or whatever. But what I will say is that I don't think anyone um, on the label during the time that I was on there was marketed properly. Or um, you yeah, had an artist. Just on, I, had, I had an artist <laughs> on the label at that time. You feel me? <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I, I think that yeah, I don't think none of none of us really got, you know, that just do. But I think to be fair as well on the business side of things, that it was brand new for them too. 1, they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree. In 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 Ethiopia, and I have had these conversations as well. You know, it was like you said, it was a new opportunity. They were reactivating, yeah. and you know, she was segueing out of. Well, at the time, she had the dual position yeah. but you know she was learning how I guess it felt to be a, a head of a major a major company and Absolutely. building a staff and and having artists and for her credit you know she definitely signed amazing artists Absolutely. whether it was you know yourself or the Stacys or, or James BJ, Davis yeah. or BJ and mm -hmm. you know some of those those artists are still there so I'll do credit to to Ethiopia and what she has been able to do and even the the expansion of the brand into more of the hip-hop and r&b and rap QC, yeah. the qc the yeah. qc uh qc squad so what um what are the major differences between creating your major label project mm -hmm. and your independent project uh one of the first things is just less cooks in the kitchen mm -hmm. i think because of the fact that like um over at the label everyone saw so much potential and how much money they could possibly make that they didn't want to fuck it up. And, you know, that kind of manifested into anxiety, mm -hmm. hesitation a lot of times. Like, I was presented, like, very unique opportunities. Like, I, I did a Glade commercial um, one year for Christmas, and I don't think anyone expected for it to, like, 
hit as like big as it did. Like mm-hmm. the song, like was like top two on R and B for like Made me months go out buy some, some of the uh, blue glade, uh, the glade candles. Had glade candles oh, and show. incense shit all through the house. All I'm thinking of, uh, what was the uh, what was the song again? Um, uh, uh, Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That's two years ago. Yeah, so it was it was you know it was, it was something crazy where like I think it took everybody you know off guard. And so with that being said, like when it was time to actually put a record out, they kind of hesitated with it. And, you know, we kind of dropped the ball. But, you know, um, good thing God was looking out and we were able to regroup. And then we, you know, uh, we had Long Song Away already in a holster. And uh, they had the conversation with me. They had that that real conversation. They said, listen, either we going to go and do this Urban AC route, which we don't recommend, mm-hmm. or um, you can wait on a record. You can wait on your rhythmic or you know like across all genres you know not all genres but all across all formats mm-hmm. record so i was like damn i've been sitting on here for about like five years <laughs> tired <laughs> of waiting i'm gonna go ahead and take this urban ac rock i don't know nothing about it but we finna we finna we finna do this shit, we, so. finna, we finna figure it out you know here's the funny thing and this is just my philosophy on urban ac yeah radio it's r&b radio yeah there's this stigma that is associated with Urban AC Radio, which you know, twenty five years ago, yeah, is it was probably more appropriate with the yeah. type of music they were playing. Now you hear Bruno, you yeah. hear Adele, you hear Jill, you hear yeah. Kevin, you yeah. hear Bryson. Yeah, so it's really R and B radio, absolutely. And I think the moment that someone changes, like that aha moment, goes off and says, "We should just change this to R and B radio." Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's going to be perceived a whole different way. Yeah, and people will be like, "Yo, I want to be on the R and B radio stations." Yeah, what do you think? I think I mean I think that's what major labels are doing now. Like we were in a unique situation back in what 2017, where like I was the youngest person on the format when I came really? on the scene. Yeah, like there wasn't anybody that was younger than me in the format. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think Bruno. 24 karat, you know, like, but that's Bruno. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and Atlantic's going to try to, like, cover the whole, whole gamut. The whole gamut. Because they got the bag. So for me, and I'm still younger than Bruno. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to change you anytime soon. So, I'm, you know, I, I was the youngest. So, you know, when I would go out and do these shows, you know, you know, all the aunties and uncles was looking at me to say, I, we didn't know that it was this kid <laughs> that was doing this record. <laughs> some some old-ass women in, right. stage, in, in the audience seeing you on stage like, hmm. I like that little young boy <laughs> over there. But they, you know, they they welcomed me. They 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 made me um, you know, a champion over there and they and they took in number one. And so what I saw after that, what transpired is you started to see her and Daniel Caesar's best part uh, manifest. Then you started to see Khalid and then you started to see major labels to say, hmm, we're just gonna take our R and B artists where urban became a difficult thing because it was so trap driven. It was mm-hmm. so like you know what I mean? In that world that they decided to say, listen, a number one is a number one. So we gonna, we gonna get <laughs> we gonna get the number yeah. one. And it's cheaper. You know what I mean? Like just in the grand scheme of things to like work a record over at Urban AC versus mainstream urban. Wait a minute, you have to use money to work a record ah. on radio? <laughs> wow, that's a new concept. Here you go. <laughs> I've, gotta, I've gotta look into that. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Ex- exactly. Well, listen, you had a number one record. Yeah. You had a, uh, uh, a great project that you put out that Thank allowed you. you to get out on the road. And that For was sure. one of the first times that we really interacted when uh, when Ro uh, brought you out on, on uh, the XIX tour. Yep. And we did some, some dates. Yep. And I think the first 
time I really, really saw you perform was I think in the ba- was it Baltimore, Baltimore yeah. the Baltimore the soundstage. Yep. I was like, yo, this kid's a fucking star. <laughs> like, you know, you had your I think your family would may have yeah, been there as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you've toured with obviously with Roe, you've toured with uh, Maxwell, Maxwell. And I did uh Marsha Ambrosius, uh, Neo. Um, I forgot about the Neo. The yeah. Neo run. So, so what what did you take from all of those experiences, especially from the OGs like like Maxwell? Because we went out with, with we as in Roe. Yeah. Went out with with Maxwell, and it was just an amazing time. He yeah. took you know took care of us and you know made sure that we were good. What are some of like the jewels and, and and things that you remember from being out there with Max? Man, I mean, one of the biggest things that I noticed about Max is like he owned his backline. You know what I mean? And so, like, I would see all these crates rolling around. They were like, Maxwell, 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 Maxwell. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it's like, this nigga owns all the lights, <laughs> the speakers. He ain't got a Everything. Shit. Like, this nigga throwing a festival wherever the hell he had in his backyard. Yep. But that's, like, that was the first time that it let me know. It was like, yo, like, invest into your future. And not in a way of, like, buying a recording setup or, you know, buying merch or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, literally manifesting to say like i'm gonna be doing this for 20 30 years i might as well just buy the stage i might as well buy everything that's on here because i know that i'm going to be around for it so you know as as much as that's a gamble i mean max is max so that's one thing that i noticed another thing he like pulled me to the side he's like listen never do a song that you can't see yourself doing 20 years from now you know so i think that he he um he had kind of like this, uh, he foresaw me, like in a sense of saying like, all right, man, listen, I know you're probably gonna be around for a little minute. Um, you know, just just stay with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't fall into this to this trendy shit too much. Yeah, because you know that shit is here today, <laughs> gone tomorrow. Exactly. But our, I mean, listen, there's a reason that he's still touring 20 years later. Exactly. And so, ooh, <laughs> da, da, da. Boy, they lucky I can't sing. I'd <laughs> smash all y'all R&B <laughs> niggas, boy. <laughs> Whew. It wouldn't be oh, no Kevin Ross, it'd be man. Eddie Blackman. Come on. The R&B, oh, the Silver Fox. Come on, listen, and the, and the record label would be called Blackout. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Blackman, Silver, the Silver Fox. Silver Fox. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, again, the R&B lane is, is, is a marathon. You know, it, yeah. it starts slow, and then, you know, if you do it the right way, yeah, that's the you know four times around the track. I used to run track, so yeah, I used to run a mile. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like hip hop. You know, it has staying power, but yeah, there's very, geez, I can't like think of anybody off the top of my head that's had super longevity in kind of the new age of hip hop. That's has some real longevity. I mean, besides Drake. You know what I mean? If we if we can cons- if we consider him, yeah, I don't really consider him hip hop. Got but, you. You know, he's, he's the hybrid. He yeah, hip hop, rap, R&B. pop, rhythm, R and B. It depends on the record. Yeah, yeah. Depend depends on. Uh, no, never mind. It's all different. <laughs> <conversation>. <laughs> no, all good. That's all whole, good. That's a whole different conversation. But no, I mean, I mean, you're right. I think the biggest thing is like every genre has its time. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And like we got to keep in mind, like R and B had its time for a long ass time. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So. You know, for for us to be in this situation right now, it's kind of cool because it puts R and B in a very like underground um, kind of perspective mm-hmm. where we can be rough around the edges. You can get those kind of like wild ass records, or you know what I mean, like different things where it's like it's not under this like huge spotlight. Mm-hmm. So we get to really cultivate. Um, work with one another because ain't nobody too big to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. One other person. So 
I think that it's it's in a very interesting space. I don't think it's in a bad space. I think it's in a space that we we need to be in in order to appreciate, you know, the the sun again. But everybody, <laughs> but everybody is talking about it, right? Yeah, yeah, you for sure. have people like Young and May that's saying we need R and B back. We need R and B back. Yeah. You know that it went anywhere. Yeah. You got you know uh, Puff saying, "Oh, you gonna bring R and B back?" Yeah, you know, it's time to <laughs> it's time to wake up. You gonna take it back to ninety, you know, ninety two when he did the Jodeci "Come and Talk to Me" oh, joint. You man. got you got uh, the R and B general Tank talking about he is you know he is R and B, which I mean he yeah, absolutely one thousand percent is. I want no smoke, Mister uh, Mister Babs. No smoke. Yeah, you or Mister Valentine. Um, <laughs> But what do you, like? What are your thoughts on on which direction R and B is going? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really trip too much about it. Like, like I said, it's, it's gonna find its way back into the sun again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just it takes a different form. You know, I, I think that in, in order for it to survive, it has to move forward. I think that like we visit, we we really revisit the '90s like a lot and like probably too much. And I think that that's like that's deterring us away from like progressiveness that that it could be mm-hmm. you know but we have we have really great and amazing artists that, that are out here that's like trying to move it forward and, and, and paving a way for a better future you know what I'm saying so I think that as long as we stay progressive as long as everyone stays unique and true to their sound then the world will get bigger and and, and yeah we'll, we'll be straight who's in your R&B rotation right now like your top Three or four or five records that you're listening to that Kevin you Ross, Kevin Ross, <laughs> Kevin Ross. The no, <laughs> so you talk about Kevin Ross, the actor, Kevin Ross, the, the boxer, football player, the and Kevin them. Ross, the kickboxer. Exactly. So after those three, Kevin Rosses, and then we'll put yourself in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Who's after Kevin Ross? I'm gonna be honest. Um, I don't, I don't really listen to too much current stuff. Like, I mean, I'm aware of it. You know what I'm saying? But well, not even current. Yeah, I mean, just like just currently who you're listening who to. I'm not, listening not to a, doesn't necessarily have to be a current artist. I mean, honestly, like you know, your Al Greens, mm-hmm. uh, your Parliaments, your uh, shit, man, like Patrice Russian, like everybody, like in the '70s, Stevie, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like I really get a lot of inspiration from that that era of music. You know what I mean? Like not even just the sound, but just like. Um, the identity mm-hmm. of all of these artists, like everyone had a particular like thing that they did. Like, you know, that's an amazing fucking time for music. You got Stevie Wonder, you got Earth, Wind and Fire, you got Donny Hathaway, you got the Rolling Stones, you got fucking Led Zeppelin, you got the Beatles, you got all these niggas in one space mm-hmm. that puts out albums like in the same year. And these records we still revere and hold as like legendary. So it's something, of course, drugs, but I mean something else. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> something else that you know that was going on that gave them the freedom you know what i mean because one in the 70s like money wasn't really like the the main driving force right because niggas were still doing like two shows a night yeah you know what i'm saying so they they had to do what they had to do in order to to make profit you know what i mean and so they weren't doing it for the gram in the 70s right it wasn't it, it was modest living so by the time the 80s came like i think the business like they got the they understood it and then they really like they really knew how to like build the machine. Like the machine was like finally built. Like okay, we know this motherfucker. Now we can really put out superstars. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, Madonna, Bruce Springsteen. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a whole factory of them. So by the time that they built the you know built the business or the factory of it, '90s they were really collecting. Mm-hmm. You know they sold the seeds. So 
it was really kind of a, a, a shit fest of just artists and creativity, but they had the money to blow on it. Mm-hmm. Hence the million dollar videos and the budgets that was like insane. And that went on all throughout the early 2000s until the machine didn't reinvent itself. Mm-hmm. Everything that artists were taught and everything that they naturally innately did, the business literally, uh, they, they didn't take notes. They didn't pay attention to say, damn, well we built this machine. like. It would have been smart for us to reinvent it, just like Apple. Like Apple made computers, you know what I'm saying? But the biggest thing that they sold was a phone. iPhone. Who, yeah. Who would have thought that something that was really driven for PC or for tech, um, tech-driven people, you know, that they would make billions of dollars off of something that we use in our everyday life? And I think that they're an example of what the music business should have did. So now the music business is, is now in a place where they have to regroup, and they're always like five years behind, unfortunately. So they missed the boat on streaming. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. They missed the boat on MP3s when they could have, instead of suing Napster, they could have partnered with Napster to say, how the fuck are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they got enough money and they understand the logic that like everyone has a price. Right? So like you go inside of any meeting with an executive or CEO, Fortune 500 company, no matter what kind of business it is, every CEO has the concept that everyone has a price. Right? So... If everyone has a price, then you get the little nerd from Napster and you figure out how you make these MP3s work for you mm-hmm. versus saying that we're so used to the machine working in such a brilliant way for us. And trying to shut down what you're doing. Right. And, and being greedy that, you know, Napster gave us a way to say, damn, we can get this music for free, for nothing, right? Or on a subscription basis. So that was the first time we ever noticed subscription. Apple caught wind of it a couple years uh, later and probably went to the labels to say, hey, we got this idea, we want to partner with you. Nah, we're good. We're good with our, we're good with our f- format, you know, with our CDs of 1999. They're like, listen, we could sell records, you know, for a dollar. I'm like, a dollar? F-O-H. But what they didn't understand is that the consumer was getting tired of, of spending that much. And then, you know, then when the, uh, the financial crisis happened and we went into like this bad slump in, in 08, then it really brought it was, to life. It was life. a recession. It was, I'm sorry, yes. It was a, it was <laughs> a recession. Slump. It was, was a, recession. a recession. But it really, it really did damage to the music business in a major way where it was like, damn, now they're behind because now everybody's going to get that dollar record, mm-hmm. right? Like McDonald's, you know, you get that quick fix. Yep. It may not be the best meal, but you get full off that double cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't eat McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't, you, you, you're getting up at all days. I cut out McDonald's out of my diet. Don't fuck with McDonald's. I'm just saying, but... Since then, then it's like, okay, cool, now they're behind on that. And then subscription-based services happen, and that was the big boom, and that's where we are, where it's like, you know, they weren't thinking ahead to say, okay, Spotify, Tidal, you know, um, Pandora, all of these streaming services um, that has come about, now they want to partner. Now mm-hmm. they want to do partnerships, but instead of, like, coming in on the ground floor. So they'll always have to regroup and recover and be a couple of steps behind Fortunately, they've made enough money through prior decades where they have this big trust fund oh, where they can they got bread. You know what I'm saying? So they, they'll never they'll never be extinct, mm-hmm. right? And they'll always put their their money into superstars because they they, they have control over all mediums, mm-hmm. right? So it'll never go away, but now the public is exposed to different ways in 
being successful. Social media has shown us different ways of being successful. Like you may not have a number one record, but if you got a million followers, if you're an influencer, if you're an influencer, you know you can you can have a career. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and so now we have a choice to say, okay, well, what matters more to us? Versus it was really only one way to get it. You know what I mean? I gotta be signed, I gotta have a hit record, you know what I mean, in order for me to make a living off of art, or off of creativity. But that's the beauty of the business now, yeah. right? There, there's so many different ways to be successful. You don't have to be just signed to a major label. Yeah. You know, you can be an independent artist. And there's verticals, right? There's, yep. And I think that's where a lot of new artists, they don't really understand. You know, they think, oh, just because I'm you know, putting out music from the comfort of my home and yeah. I'm going to, you know, I need to get on a playlist and I'm going to be successful. No, there's, you know, you still have radio, ter- terrestrial radio, which is yep. important. You know, playlisting is important. I think the biggest part, and I, you know, I, I would assume that you would agree, is touring yeah. because that's where you build your fan base, yeah. right? A lot of these new artists, they think that, oh, I've got a million followers. Those are, I got a million fans. Yeah. No, you have a million <laughs> followers. Right. <laughs> the fan doesn't come until there's actual trans, a cash transaction where they're, you know, spending $30 to see you at a show and then right. $50 for a meet and greet or $60 for a merch item. And then they continue to come back. And yes, the phones are very powerful because Instagram and social media is a new street team. Yeah. So, you know, you better be putting on a hell of a show yeah. on the stage. <laughs> uh, I mean, because either way, you're going to be on the gram, whether yeah. it's good or bad yeah. is, you know, really up to you. But yeah. um, but I think, again, it's so important to really be out there and, 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 and touching the fans and, and being able to have great music and great content and, and great art, yeah. um, you know, which I think, and, and to bring it back to your album, I think that you've kind of covered all of those uh, those things on Audacity. And I can tell, you know, from what you're listening to, like the Stevies and the Marvel, you can hear that in the music, yeah. in, in this particular, I mean, just in your music in general, but specifically in this project. Yeah. Um, talk about the uh, the single, how did that come about? Thing called Love, man, honestly, um, you know, starts with Melody first, and um, I was listening to a whole bunch of like Bilal and Al Green at the time, and I was like, man, you know, it'd be dope. I was like, I need to do like a '70s kind of record, like mm-hmm. you know, I did like you know, like the two-step long song away record, which felt old school. But I was like, I ain't really, I ain't really commit, commit. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm you saying? Go all the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to go all the way in. And so, like, it, it really started off as just, like, me doing the production and, like, having a rough of the song. I think I think you heard, like, a rough, rough of the I song. Did. Like, a, a minute, like, a long time ago before it even got out. I had the exclusive listen. The exclusive listen. I had the exclusive listen before exclusive listen was exclusive. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it was it was so crazy where, like, me and Kit, um, the producer of Audacity, he, um, you know, we, we went around and we got drums from like Ron Allen out of L.A. Mm-hmm. We got guitars from, um, what's old boy's name? Uh, I forget his name now, but we got guitars from from this guy out in um in, in L.A. He's got publishing on the record. <laughs> yeah. Just, Every, just, just look the credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, everybody, everybody was, uh, was well paid. Um, bass uh, for this guy, Josh Garrison, out of North Carolina. And we really like took our time to like craft a record. And, um, you know, of course, like after all that, we, it went through a lot of phases. I had to recut the vocals again and all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Speed up the record and all that as well, which I think was it was something that you advised as well, for sure. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for you that. Know what I'm so, saying? You know, you're the you're the artist. Here. Let it be known. Let it be known. So, no, nah, I mean, and, and I had I had a lot of people to like really 
placed input on the record and and I listened and so by the time that it came out I was just man I was grateful that um I was grateful that people people listened you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like right now you know we had like 1.9 million on on Spotify alone so that means that we're probably what like 3.3 million overall on thing called love mm-hmm. and, and and to put that into perspective um it, it was my first record in two years you know I felt longer than that yeah it felt it felt like eternity. So are, are you happy with the, re- <laughs> the reception of not only the single but also the project as but, well? I'm gr- granted it's only been out for a little over a month. Yeah, um, I am. I am. I'm pleased. Um, it 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 sets my eyes towards a bigger prize. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know what to expect. Like people could have literally disregarded and be like, oh well, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, or you know, he's the he's the young guy. That's where he's a he's an old nigga, and and that's what I didn't want to happen. Um, and, and they, they really like embraced it with open arms, like shout out to Spotify, shout out to Apple, shout out to all the curators that, you know, made that happen. Shout out to Rory from, um, a Joe Button's podcast, um, for champion the record. (laughs) Shout out to Rory, (laughs) my brother in Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was really, it was really awesome, man. So it set my, set my eyes towards a bigger prize. Like I, I really want a lot more now versus just like. You know what my initial thoughts was as far as towards what I wanted from out of the record. I want a lot more. So volume two is yeah. I was gonna say so. I want volume two. When's that yeah. coming? Yeah, volume two's coming in June. Yeah. So you it's know, my birthday month. We going listen. We gonna deliver more records. We got uh what a new new single coming like in the next like sixty days. Okay. Well, less than that, forty five days. And you know, just kind of gearing up for for volume two, and then just kind of running the gamut, and then like the full complete album of Audacity will be out before the year's out, and just really kind of like make a full run of Audacity. It's gonna be an Audacity tour. Audacity tour, um, starting April 9th in Philadelphia, then April 10th in DC, uh, April 18th in Atlanta, April 22nd in Chicago, and then the rest of the dates at KevinRossMusic.net. Um, but this is volume one volume one tour very short run mm-hmm. then we'll have a volume two tour where um we'll probably go and, and and do uh the west coast dates and then for the like the full the full out album then we'll probably you know stretch the stretch the tour to maybe like 15 days can can i get some tickets do i need to call somebody uh or? come on man you got my line man you ain't even gotta come on i mean i had to beg you to Let's come go. up here you know i don't want to beg you for tickets too <laughs> i only know i get one favor so i, I got don't want to i don't want to ask for too much i got you even bro. though i did tell you to speed up the record facts so. you did you did <laughs> i didn't get credited for that but that's okay there's a lot of things in there that i didn't credit get credited for not in that particular record, but just out here, there in the. I owe you, brother. I owe you for sure, my brother. Just give me a couple of tickets so I can come see that wonderful performance. That's Hands all down. I care about. <laughs> uh, it's that time of the show where we play some games. Yeah. Uh, it is Women's History Month. Yeah. And in honor of, I wanted to put something together for that. Okay. So I am building out, and this is just for my own like personal whatever. Yeah. The female R and B pantheon. Hmm. You got that complex. I mean that uh, uh confused look on your face. Yeah. Okay. So. So here we. I'll give. I'll give you the categories. Okay. All right. So <laughs> here. Here are the qualifiers. This is really one qualifier. You're, you're going to be over 40 years old, which Uh-oh. means that you've had to have a certain amount of time in, in the music business. Okay. So I broke them down by uh, you know, 40 through like 49, 50 through 59. Oh, man. You're going to get me nervous. All right. Here no, we go. No, no, no. So there's four categories. So I'll give this disclaimer. Yeah. 
Whitney, Aretha, and Aaliyah are already in. Okay. Okay. Right? They're already in. No pressure. So we'll start with the, the top. All right. So this is the 70s and up category. All right. And you can only choose one. Damn. All right. All right. We're building out the R&B female pantheon. All right. Patti LaBelle, Gladys Knight, or Diana Ross? Patti LaBelle. You must be eating them patty pies. That's why. <laughs> I just, I just love the way that she's like actually like reinvented herself. I actually really like the fact that she's diversified. So that's the reason why I would have her as an edge up. So you've been eating her patty pies. I've never eaten a patty pie. Them shits are good though. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Patty and them pies, baby. All right, here's the sixty category. Yeah, Shaka Khan, Anita Baker, or Sade. Uh, uh, you said Shaka Khan, Anita Baker, or Sade. Which, by the way, I don't know if Sade is actually sixty, but I feel like you know she put out her first album in nineteen, <laughs> I think eighty five or eighty four, yeah. somewhere at the the blue cover, the yeah. um, Diamond Life, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So I was what, five or six at that point. She had to be at least thirty. So just That's you true. know, if I'm doing doing some math, doing some math, she's got to be in her sixties. So Chade, Anita, or Shaka? Mm. Uh, I'm ugh. well. Shade is the name of the band. Um, but Shade's before that, too. I'm Shade as in uh, yeah. That's her last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. all good. But she, is, I, I would say Shade for her elusiveness. Okay, Shade yeah. it is. Yeah, fifties. All right. Tony Braxton, Janet Jackson, or Mariah Carey? Janet. They didn't even hesitate on that Janet. one. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate on that one. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, come out at me, Miss Jackson. <laughs> All right, last one. Yeah. 40s. Okay. Mary. Uh huh. Jill Scott or Brandy? Hey, that's not fair, bruh. This is a hard one. That's not fair. Because, by the way, Brandy just turned 40. And, you know, she's the vocal Bible. So you got the queen of hip-hop, uh, hip-hop, R&B, soul. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got the incomparable Jill Scott. Yes. Who's just celebrating her 20-year anniversary yeah. of her first album. And then you have the vocal Bible, Brandy. That's not fair, bro. Instantly, I'm going to say Mary because just of the longevity and the fact that she's still kicking it the way that she is. All right, Mary. There it is. Mary. So, Kevin Ross's <laughs> female R&B pantheon. Don't get me in trouble. Patti LaBelle, uh-huh. Sade, uh-huh. Janet Jackson, yeah. and Mary J. Blige. Yeah. For, for, many, for many reasons. It's, it's not just, it's for many reasons. But yeah, that's, that's it. All right, yeah. there you go. Anything else you want to talk about? Jeez. Uh, man, listen, y'all go out and get this Audacity Volume 1, Audacity Volume 2 coming out in june have the audacity to do something different and listen to audacity exactly. volume one and then go to the audacity tour which hopefully i can get some tickets you better for. believe it kevin ross my brother thank you for stopping by my guy the cast of r&b well without hillary today she's gonna be a little bit upset but she'll be <laughs> all right. hillary and eddie kevin ross we out <laughs>